Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. My name, oddly enough, what a twist, Philip DeFranco. And before we jump into the news of the day, yes, hit that like button, subscribe. But also, as we enter the first story, text someone you know that you love them, that you care for them, because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. One day, you're going to die and cease to be. But until that day, I'll be your resident bringer of sadness and talk about the news of the day. And so, Let's just jump into it on that happy note. You know, the first thing that we're gonna talk about today, uh, not to just immediately bias you, but I just think, I think it's incredibly stupid. And I say that because reports have come out saying that at least 20 students at LJ Alamo Middle School have been expelled for participating in a TikTok trend on school grounds. Right, and for me personally, I hear, okay, kids at school, TikTok trend, is it one of those things where they're destroying property? Well, looking into this, it, it wasn't that. According to reports, the students filmed two TikToks back in December as part of a trend using Nardo Wick's song, Who Wants Smoke? With that video featuring some students making finger guns, others using their phones, to imitate firearms. Right, and these aren't the exact videos that we're talking about today. Those have actually been taken down and even some parents say they haven't seen the post themselves. But I, I did want to kind of give you an idea of what we're talking about here. And when the school caught wind of this, they acted immediately, suspending the students and citing them under Discipline Code 70 for crime of violence, assault, and battery. Which states there was an aggressive action directed at students which may involve threats or unwanted physical contact while on school grounds with or without the use of a weapon. And so because that's what the school threw at these kids, we saw one parent telling reporters that the school was, quote, trying to make an example of these kids and make it look like they handled a threat that didn't even exist. Another mother saying it was not assault, it was not battery, it was not violent, and the code that's being used and the level of infraction associated with that code is completely unwarranted, unfair, and horrible. And so reportedly, as the school system considered expulsion, it then changed the offense of what these kids did to a code 21 violation, which basically covers anything else. And I mean anything else. Here's the definition. Any other serious offense not covered by any other of these codes resulting in or not resulting in the need for law enforcement intervention. What an insane catch-all. Like the definition or the, the reason included might as well just say, cause I said so. Which is also why we saw Pat McGee, a lawyer representing some of the families saying, they're making the rules up as they go along. They made some mistakes as any organization would because this is all new. But the problem is now they don't want to say that this was wrong. We're handling these children wrongly and let's step back, take a breath and figure out how to fix this for the good of all the kids. Right, impossibly saying that because this situation doesn't necessarily just exist in a bubble. The disciplinary action reportedly already having a ripple effect with the news coming out that one student was allegedly denied acceptance to a high school over this issue. With McGee adding, we're not saying there needs to be an absence of punishment. No, but the punishment needs to fit the behavior. That's why you have a rubric. And when you misuse the rubrics by saying it's any other serious offense, then you know they don't really have a cause of action to justify what they're doing. Now, as far as the other side of things, a spokesperson for the Lafayette Parish School System told reporters that it does not comment on information regarding disciplinary action against students and staff. But be that as it may, heat against the system has continued to grow over the last few days. In fact, and this doesn't surprise me because the internet, People reportedly dug up a photo showing some of the school's teachers making gun gestures while wearing cowboy attire for a contest, with parents saying that this was done to prove a point to see if the teachers would be held to the same standard and adding, if it's not okay for a child to do it, it's not okay for an adult to do it. But ultimately with this story, I kind of want to end on two things. One, of course, I'd love to know your thoughts on this story. Like, what do you think in general? Do you think the students should be punished? Yes or no? If you're on the side of yes, do you think expulsion is a road too far or you think that's right? And two, I would say at the very least, we, we just have to look at rule 21. How do you make because I said so after the fact a rule. That's insane. That's like, that sounds like a rule from a, a king or a dictator or an incredibly bad parent. And I personally, I don't know if I can support anything other than maybe a warning because it, everything that I've heard about this, it doesn't seem like they were threatening anybody. Like if the caption to the video was like, hey, Greg in third period, this is for you. 
Okay, sure. No, no, the whole thing just reeks of stupid to me, and uh, that's why I'd love to know your thoughts. And then, is YouTube doing enough to combat misinformation? That is the question at hand for a lot of people right now. And according to a group of more than 80 fact-checking organizations from around the world, they say the answer is no. Which is why we saw that group publish an open letter to YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki today calling on the platform to make improvements. Now understand, concerns about misinformation have existed for years now, especially in regards to election and health claims. So in the pursuit of this, we've seen platforms like YouTube taking steps to try to limit the spread of such content while also trying to provide links to credible resources, suspending figures for violating COVID-19 misinformation policies. But now we're seeing fact checkers calling on YouTube to do four things. One, commit to meaningful transparency about disinformation on the platform, saying that it should support independent research into misinformation campaigns, as well as, quote, publish its full moderation policy regarding disinformation and misinformation, including the use of artificial intelligence and which data powers it. Two, go beyond removing content and focus on providing context and offering debunks clearly superimposed on videos or as additional video content, which the group says would have to come from investing in independent fact-checking among other meaningful actions. Three, take stronger actions against repeat offenders, which includes doing more to stop promoting their content. And finally, four, extend its current and future efforts to languages other than English. With the group noting that YouTube's shortcomings in moderating non-English language content are incredibly notable in the global south. Now, in response to this letter, a YouTube spokesperson stressed that it was heavily invested in policies and products that connect people to authoritative content and reduce the spread of misinformation, and adding that it has seen important progress, but is always looking for meaningful ways to improve and will continue to strengthen our work with the fact-checking community. And you know, personally, when it comes to this topic, I, I feel somewhat defeated when it comes to uh, misinformation on social media. I, uh, I also am a bit torn to a lesser extent on some things. I mean, just think about, like, when you've seen the biggest pushers of misinformation, like, they wear those, like, you putting resources underneath their video or their tweet is a badge of honor. And then if a platform removes that content, it essentially turns into this Barbara Streisand effect where then it's just uploaded to another place. It turns into this big promotional event to go, hey, this is what they don't want you to see. But then in what feels like 99 out of 100 cases, they allow those bad actors to then still continue using their platform. So those bad actors get to treat these videos, get to treat these moments as promotional events, whether to push to content off platform or usually to paid subscriptions or donations. But also, and this is where I get torn, I don't want to call for YouTube to remove more content, suppress more content, because they already do that on a lot of content that shouldn't. For example, while I was out on vacation, a YouTuber by the name of Mama Max put out a video called YouTube Pick a Side. And personally, I found that he had a lot of really important and I think very on the point critiques of YouTube. Or the fact that YouTube suppresses and at times removes content they deem as controversial, which inadvertently protects the worst of society. Or how can we talk about and expose horrible people doing horrible things to, uh, at times, the people that need to be most protected in this world when you're not gonna allow us to have a voice. And that is actually a point that creators like Charlie White, AKA Moist Critical, had when responding to Mama Max's video with him saying things like, For a lot of people, they feel like YouTube just prefers to bury this kind of information instead of trying to help the people that are affected by the bad actors that get investigated. YouTube instead just punishes the people for investigating it. Clearly a pretty dog solution because if the content's getting taken down, less people know about it, which means more victims. Also, a little inside baseball. You know how sometimes I upload morning videos in addition to the PDS on this channel? I do that because I genuinely don't believe that YouTube's gonna make the situation better or easier, and I don't want those stories that I still wanna get out there to tank my show. And it also troubles me the number of times I've come across a creator that I know talking about a bad actor, and they feature the video and somehow their video gets removed, but the original post stays up. And so their batting record there doesn't make me feel great about where their batting record would be if they imposed even harsher restrictions. And I just sometimes look at that content, I'm like, YouTube, make it make sense. Which is why my final point on this story is I don't think that we should remove videos. I think we should remove the internet. We tried, y'all, it didn't work. I don't know what I'm gonna do with the, the 10 hours a day that I'm plugged into the matrix, but you know, whatever the alternative is probably better at this point. I'll take the pay cut, I'll take the hit on the bank account, but 
Until then, I'd like to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's show, Keeps. Did you know that two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time that they're 35? And maybe you have that friend or the family member that's dealing with hair loss right now and you, you don't wanna just wait around for that to happen to you and hey, now is the time to do something about it. Keeps helps you stop hair loss before it's too late with their scientific and affordable approach to treatments that are up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. And Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA approved hair loss products that are out there. So some of you may have actually already tried them before, but probably never at this price. And you can get these products delivered directly to your door, meaning no more going in person to the doctor's office for your prescription, saving you both valuable time and money. So if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash DeFranco, or just click that link in the description down below to receive 50% off your first order. And then while it is a new year, we got some of the same shit in the news, like the situation with YouTuber Ethan Klein and Triller co-founder Ryan Kavanaugh. Right where we left things last year, uh, we talked about Ryan filing a defamation suit against Ethan, arguing that Ethan was causing constant harm to his reputation. Writing in an essay that Ethan, quote, has posted video after video attacking and slandering me personally. With this also notably coming after Triller had filed a lawsuit against Ethan and H3 Productions over alleged copyright infringement. With that, you had Ethan shooting back at all of these lawsuits, including the defamation suit. And saying then, while he has referenced negative information while talking about Ryan, he is, quote, not creating any of these claims, but merely reading what has already been published by well-respected news sources and arguing that it's not defamation if he's citing information that has already been published. But we also have an update to this story thanks to this morning, with Ethan Klein posting a video claiming that Ryan has now filed a fourth lawsuit against him. And I'll link to it down below, but the, the case in question here involves a website that Ethan made called Does Ryan Kavanaugh Look Like Harvey Weinstein? With the website having compare and contrast images of Ryan and Harvey's faces. Additionally, it includes photos of them together as well as a timeline laying out, quote, Ryan Kavanaugh's terrible record. And with this, in the defamation essay that Ryan wrote, he said that the creation of this site has resulted, quote, in further false articles and sites to be published and directed traffic to these false articles and sites. Adding he has sent paid traffic to the site to push it to page one of Google search results for my name. He has encouraged people on Reddit, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and elsewhere to click on this site, upvote comments, and engage to keep pushing it higher in my search results. With Ethan also claiming here that Ryan is now trying to get that website removed, sharing a link at one point saying, Ryan Kavanaugh, files a cyber squatting case against YouTuber. That's right. Ryan Kavanaugh filed a UDRP to try to take down the website. With a website that Ethan shared explaining a UDRP is a uniform domain name dispute resolution policy with Ethan saying that he thinks that Ryan was hoping that he just wouldn't respond resulting in a default judgment. So yeah, this dispute expectedly is now bled into 2022. It continues to grow and who knows where this is gonna end. That said, I do have to kind of wonder with, with how much we've actually talked about Ethan Klein over the years, if we're looking at amounts of time, which would be longer, the amount of time that, that extends while H3 is being sued, or the times where he's not. I've never seen a YouTuber have to deal with this amount of litigation. And then, let's talk about Dr. Fauci speaking at a hearing of the Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions yesterday. If you were online, you saw it got very heated, even leading to a point where Fauci called a Republican senator a moron. But before we get to that specific moment, let's start with Rand Paul and Fauci having this back and forth. You keep coming back to personal attacks on me that have absolutely no relevance to reality. Do you think anybody has had more influence let, over let our response finish. to this than you have? And I have life that threats upon my life, harassment of my family and my children with obscene phone calls because people are lying about me. Why would Senator want to do this? So go to Rand Paul website and you see Fire Dr. Fauci with a little box that says, contribute here. You can do $5, $10, $20, $100. So you are making a catastrophic epidemic for your political gain. 
So the you only have thing politically the, the attacked your can, colleagues uh, and in a politically reprehensible the way. Only thing now, notably, this is by no means the first time that Dr. Fauci has said directly to Senator Rand Paul's face that Paul is spreading totally inaccurate, baseless claims that are making the pandemic worse. But it was a key point for Fauci to directly point to how Rand Paul and others like him are trying to monetize and fundraise off of the villainization of Fauci. And also, if you're wondering what even led to all of that, as Fauci explained yesterday. Senator, we are here at a committee to look at a, a virus now that has killed almost 900,000 people. And the purpose of the committee was to try and get things out, how we can help to get the American public. The last time we had a committee or the time before, he was accusing me of being responsible for the death of five, four to five million people, which is really irresponsible. And I say, why is he doing that? It distracts from what we're all trying to do here today is get our arms around the epidemic and the pandemic that we're dealing with, not something imaginary. So you have all of that, and then you had this other heated exchange with Republican Roger Marshall, with Marshall asking Fauci a totally unrelated question about his personal finances, which are actually already public knowledge, and asking Fauci if he would file a financial disclosure, which if you even took a second to look at this, he already has. But still, despite Fauci explaining that, we saw Marshall saying, Big tech giants are doing an incredible job of keeping it from being public. Uh, we'll continue to, to look for it. Where would we find it? All you have to do is ask for it. <laughs> I, I, you're so misinformed, it's extraordinary. What, what? With that exchange finally devolving into this. We look Senator forward Marshall, to reviewing it. totally incorrect. Well, we look Marshall, forward to reviewing it. Senator Marshall, Dr. Fauci has answered you. It is public information, and he's happy to give it to you if you would ask. Senator Moran. What a moron. Jesus Christ. But ultimately, that is where that story and today's show ends. I love your faces, and I'll see you tomorrow.